Praise the Lord. How many, how many are hungry, really hungry for God? You're hungry for God. You can never, you know, it's, it's like eating chocolate. It's addictive. <laughs> the more you have, the more you want. You know, I can never have one piece of chocolate. And I've, uh, once I started having, uh, uh, starting to taste and see that the Lord is good, I couldn't stop. I, can't, I just cannot get any more. That's a paradox. The more you have of God, the more you want. Most amazing thing. You're never satisfied. You want more and more and more. Talk about the ultimate addiction, God. Oh, that's awesome. You know, we have this thing where you just really hung of him. So the more you have, the more you want. The closer you get to him, the more you desire him. The further you get from him, then you tend to want to avoid him. And so we can always get a barometer of how we're going spiritually by our hunger for him, our hunger for his presence, our hunger to encounter him. And if you think you've got it all, then think again. God's very, very varied. He continues to move, and he continues to open up levels and levels of encounter for us. In the Bible, it tells us uh, very clearly, he says, I do new things. God always does new things. So just when we think we've got it, he's got something new. And so in my own life, I purpose whatever God is doing, whatever's new, I want to be part of it. Want to be part of it. You know, that's how you keep fresh and young. It's not because you, you avoid growing old. It's just you keep young in your attitude and say, I want more of God. God, whatever you've got, I want that. And then willing to position ourselves for it. But you see, it's interesting with God. Things always work in, in, in parallels. It's almost like he has two things which are almost in balance. And so uh, along with encounter is mission. The need for us to engage people and bring Christ to people. And so... On the one hand, we hunger for God and we want more and more and more of Him and we need to keep doing that, hungering for Him. On the other hand, God engages us and requires that to keep our life in balance, we be engaged in mission, reaching people, touching people. That's why Jesus said the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and strength and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. So you always got to keep the two in balance. Most things with God, you've got two things you've got to keep in balance. For example... Just give you a simple example. God loves people, He's accepting of people, and He forgives people. But you've got to balance that up with truth and, and judgment. That God's a holy God, and God uh, deals with sin, and God confronts sin. You've got to keep truths always in balance. So when we talk about having encounters with God, we need to passionately pursue the presence of God. Never settle for what you got. But the other side of it is need to be engaged in mission. I want to just show you very close, closely the connection between encounter and mission, how they go hand in hand. They're not opposite to one another. We should not be one or the other. We need to embrace both aspects if we're to have a balanced life. If our life is based solely on having encounters, we have some problems. If our life is based solely on having mission, we also have problems. And I'll show you why shortly. But let's have a look with, uh, with uh, Paul, Acts chapter 26. And notice what it says here. Now it's talking about Paul and his encounter with God. And you notice how closely everywhere in the Bible, encounter and mission are connected. You notice what he said, listen, I, uh, he's talking about uh, in verse 10. Now this is what I did, verse 9. I thought within myself I ought to do a lot of things against the name of Jesus. So that was what we were like before we got saved, did lots of things contrary to Jesus. And he said, this is what I did. In many of the saints I shut them up in prison, having received authority of the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I was the one who said yes. And I punished them in every synagogue, and I compelled them to blaspheme, see, being exceedingly mad against them and persecuted them even to other strange cities. And then I was going to Damascus with authority commission from the chief priests. And at midday, O king, I saw a great light from heaven above the brightness of the sign, sun shining round about me and those which journey with me. And when we all fell to the earth, I heard a voice speaking to me saying in the Hebrew tongue, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Jesus identifies with his people that closely. 
It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And I said, well, who are you, Lord? And he said, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And he said, rise, stand on your feet, for I have appeared unto you for this purpose. Notice, read this. I have appeared unto you for this purpose to make you both a minister and a witness of the things which you have seen and of the things in which I will appear unto you, delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles unto whom I now send you. You come when you read that, get away from the dramatic balance that there is there. You notice Paul, he's mad against Christians. He's persecuting them. He's voicing, giving the voice that they'd be put to death. He must have tortured them to cause them to turn against Christ. His life was totally opposed to God. He's a great example. Someone shows you the miracle power of God can change any person. Miracle power of God can change any person. And then he has, notice this, he's going there and he's got, he says, I thought within myself. So he's got his own plan for his life. He's engaged in his own plan. He's there murdering Christians and man, he's thinking, I'm doing God a great, great favor doing all of this. And then in the middle of it all, he encounters God and God speaks to him like this. And he says, why are you persecuting me? When you come against the church of the living God, you come against God himself. You cannot separate God from his people. You can't separate him from his people. That's why we say, I want God, but I don't want the church. Forget it. You can't have it like that. He doesn't work that way. God identifies with his people because when he puts his spirit inside you, when you come a Christian, when you become a follower of Christ, the spirit of God enters in you. You are joined to Jesus. You are showing something. You are called to show something of the life of Jesus on the earth. You're called to represent him. So God calls us the body of Christ or his representatives. You got an attitude against people in the church, you got problems with God. It's as simple as that. That's why we've got to learn how to love one another. Because Christianity is a, it's a, it's about a body, it's about people coming together. It's not just about an individual religion, individual experience. So notice he had an encounter. Now, encounter, when he had an encounter, that word encounter literally means to have an unexpected meeting face to face with someone. It also means literally to have a conflict. So when, when, you, when you look up the, the dictionary uh, uh, meaning of encounter, an encounter is a face-to-face meeting with someone. It's an unexpected, unplanned meeting with someone, or it's a conflict, all of above. And you notice now, he has an unexpected meeting with God, an unexpected face-to-face meeting with God, and there's a conflict. Because where he's going with his life is radically against what God has for him. So in the midst of that encounter, he gets revelation of God. He gets an insight to what God is like. And encounter leads to revelation, insight of what God's life designed to change us and then help us discover what we're called to do with our life. Notice he said, notice these words that God says to him. He said, I have appeared to you for this purpose. What did God have in his mind when he encountered Paul? Yeah, I had a purpose. He didn't do it just for fun. Here, look at that. He didn't do it just so Paul could remain in that place of encounter. He said, I have appeared to you for a purpose, and that purpose is to make you something and to send you somewhere. It's always the same. You see it in Ephesians 2, verses 8 to 10. He said, we are by grace you saved through faith. You have an encounter, an experience of God. Then it says, you are his workmanship. He's making us something. And then he has called us to work, something we've got to do with our life. It's always the same. It all goes hand in hand. 
Okay, so notice here, he said the encounter led to revelation, led to a change. He said, I'm going to make you something. What am I going to make you? He said, I'm, I'm going to make you a minister. And that word minister is the word meaning, the, uh, it, it means literally an under oarsman. You ever seen in the old, old movies, you know, they showed you these big galleons, you know, and these big these slave ships where they'd have the guide beating the drums on the top, have two rows of oars, and these people have got to pull it. Now, I, I prefer an outboard motor, by the way. I think outboard motor are great. I didn't mind it when we had a V8 in there, but oarsmen, no, that's not, that's not much fun. I have been in boats where I had to row. I don't like it very much at all. But yeah, they, they have these boats and they had different tiers of oars. And so this word here, servant, means one who's on the oars pulling the boat ahead, but you're right at the bottom. You're not even up there at the top where you get a sea view. You're right down at the bottom where people dribble on you. That's kind of what he was saying. He used the word under oarsman. I have appeared to you. Whoa, oh, we have had a grand encounter. You saw the light. Yeah, yeah. What for? I'll make you one of the bottom ones in the, in the galley slave. So always encounter leads to a radical change in our life that positions us to serve God and people. Not up here prominent. Look, I've had this. But right down there, pulling on the oars. Hands and sleeves roll up. Man, I ever seen any movies of that? Boy, that's bad stuff being down the bottom there. In the Roman, uh, the Roman ship boats which they had, they had them armored at the front, and they would then ram other boats. And, of course, you were chained, literally chained to the oar. There was no escape. So if the boat sank, then you sank with it. Terrible, terrible thing. So that's what he says. He says, I've, I've met with you. I have encountered you, not so you can be puffed up, but so you can become an under oarsman. You can actually commit your life to service. Greater the revelation, greater the service. One more revelation, prepare for deeper service. Very simple. And he says, not only that, I've called to make you an under oarsman, and I've appeared to you to make you a martyr. Oh, sorry, a witness. That word witness means a martyr. It means literally someone who gives their life for the cause of someone else. Be dying to have a martyr for our church, but no one seems to want to volunteer. You know, every time Lynn goes out, I said, maybe this time, Lynn, maybe this time. You've got to get a good picture of you up there, and you could be the first martyr, you know. <laughs> you know, be, anyhow, I don't want that to happen, really. But, you know, interesting, churches grow powerfully in the blood of the martyrs. There's no place that the church grows as strong as it grows when people have laid their lives down for Christ. There's something about sacrifice and the power of God that go hand in hand. And you're here because this man who had this encounter with God, he laid his life down and died and shed his blood. He became a witness. A witness is someone who gives a testimony of what they've seen and heard. They've got a first-hand experience. Now you can see, if you're going to be a witness, if you're going to be sent somewhere, you need a first-hand experience. Christianity is an experiential religion, not a heady religion. If you have no experience with God, what are you going to witness? Imagine turning up at the courthouse. Suppose uh, we put out, a, there's been something happened, and we call Duncan over to be a witness, you say. And uh, we say, well, Duncan, we want you to come be a witness. So he turns up, and he turns up in the stands. Your name, Duncan Brown? Yes, 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 you live at such and such a place? Yes, I do. Okay, there's this. Now, I want you to tell us what you saw on this particular day. Oh, I didn't see anything. I was in bed asleep. Now, he's, not a, he's no use as a witness. See, the witness in the stand has to have seen, heard, experienced something. And then they're called to testify to their experience. 
So we are all called to be a witness for Christ. It doesn't mean you stand on the street radically evangelizing. Some are called to that, but most people aren't. But you are called, everyone, to be a witness of Christ. Everyone has got a testimony, and there's someone you're sent to, you've got something they need. You say, well, I don't have much. Well, why don't you keep hungering for God and get more, but then instead of waiting, just do what you can with what you have. See? I look at Bill and what Bill has done. Bill's not confident at all or bold, but, you know, he's made hundreds of trips into China carrying Bibles to people, a powerful witness over there and here of a life committed to serve God. But he's not one who's had great encounters or experience, but what he has had, he's put it to work to serve. And maybe, you, you know, you think, well, I'm spiritually inferior. I haven't had the great experiences of someone else. Listen, that doesn't stop you. What you have experienced, take that and make that known to someone. Put what you have to work for the cause of Christ. I have appeared to you that I may make you a servant and a witness unto me and that I might send you. So notice now, God appears to us or he manifests himself in various ways. Now, everyone has different kinds of experiences with God. Some have very, very dramatic ones. Some have lesser ones. But every one of us can share what God has given us. What you have is unique to you. That's why you want to hunt for more. You can't live off your parents' experience. You can't live off someone else's experience. You can't even run your Christian life living off the pastor's experience or the corporate experience. We come and worship God. We can't live that way. We're designed to live out of encounter regularly with God. And then the overflow of the life that imparts to us becomes the bubbling life to give out to other people. But if we've got nothing to testify of what God has done, if we have no experience, nothing that we can say, God has done this, he's doing this, this has happened in my life, what have we got to witness? And so mission is always deeply connected with encounter and vice versa. Notice he said, notice he said I will send you, that's the word apostello, I will commission you and send you on a mission. You have an assignment from me. And that assignment involves a specific thing to do and a specific people to go to. So listen to this. God wants you to encounter him because he has someone specific to send you to and something specific for you to do with them. And it's unique to us all. There's people I will never, ever be able to reach, but you could. And you're there for that purpose. You're there for that purpose. God wants to send you. And so, you notice, let me just throw this thought out for you. Encounter without mission has no purpose. And it ends up, it ends up with people becoming disconnected from the ability to be able to relate to people normally. They become proud. So encounter must connect to mission or it has no purpose. Now listen to this. Mission without encounter has no power. Mission without encounter. If you, you may have all the enthusiasm to tell people about Jesus, but you have no encounter or experience. What are you going to bring them to? I know what you witness about. You witness about church. But Jesus didn't call us to witness about church. He didn't call us to say what a great church this is. He called us to talk about him and what a wonderful person he is and how he's the savior, how he's the one that will end into your life to bring release. And you see, it's interesting. You can talk about church as much as you like and people react to church. But you know, when you talk about God, well now, now you put them on the spot. When you talk about Jesus, there's something about the name of Jesus, something about that name. It really gets people uncomfortable. You could go into McDonald's and yell, Bay City! One or two might look. Go into McDonald's and yell, Jesus! They'll all look around. 
You'll be asked to leave fairly soon. I've been asked to leave there. <laughs> well, I hadn't done much. It was all the people I had with me, I'm sure. You know, I got blamed for what they'd done the day before. <laughs> they said, who's in charge here of this group? I'm sitting minding my own business. And sitting mine just having a nice burger. They said, who's in charge of this group here? And they all pointed to me. And then this lady proceeds to tell me off. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. I wasn't here yesterday. It didn't make any difference. I was in charge. So we've had a few times where we, you know what they, the, the complaint is? Too much laughter. Too much laughter. Too much, I think, how can you have too much laughter? That'd be silly. Too much laughter, that's bound to bring people in. Go to McDonald's, everyone's laughing down there. It's got to be good, you know. <laughs> it's got to be good. Got to be good. And listen, in the Bible, everywhere you find people encounter God, they always were sent to do something. Try and find it where it didn't happen that way. But it always got sent to do something. See, so whatever, whatever time you come into an increased experience of God, it's because you've got something fresh for you to do. So when we have an encounter weekend or retreat, when an opportunity for you to encounter God, it's because you've got something the other side of it for you to do. You just got to realize first the encounter, then you begin to serve God in a deeper way, more meaningful way, with greater passion, greater life. Amen? Joshua encountered Jesus, and he encountered him as a soldier with a sword. I'll bring it out in a couple of weeks' time. I'll show you one. <laughs> Dear God, I don't feel safe holding the thing, let alone anything else with it. And, uh, so he had, and, and the result of that was he was in commission how to take a city. See, the, the encounter was not for nothing. It was with the purpose of bringing him to understand how to take a city. And they took a city. You think about all through the Bible, it's the same. Gideon, Gideon, he's just minding his own business, grinding out the wine. Then he has an encounter with God. You know what the encounter with God is? The encounter with God was to point out who he really was. Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. See, encounters with God not only reveal God, they tend to actually cause us to understand who we are in God's plan. You're a mighty man of valor. I'm with you. You're going to reach the nation and save the nation. What, me? I can't, I'm doing it. All the excuses came up. Listen, God saw his potential. See, what happens in church, we see everyone's faults. We get obsessed with faults. You can't do anything with faults, really. But you can do a lot with potential. You have heaps with potential. We look at everything. See, of course he was struggling, had a few issues. Yeah, what Gideon said was true. That didn't mean God couldn't use him. God could use him because God saw... Gideon, you've got something no one else has got. You've got me. And we can make a difference. Hey, come on, you need to think that way out in the community. If you've got God with you, you can be really brave. You can be really brave. I was, uh, I was in a, uh, uh, just talking to a pastor the other day, and they got this young this guy, and he's not very, not very big physically. And uh, they put two or three, they put a, put a guy in front of him to block him. They said, see if you can get past him. Well, he tried and he tried and he tried, and then he was totally downcast. He said, I can't. I just can't. I can't do it. And so he brought out two of the biggest guys in the church. He said, well, look, what's there with you? Oh, I could do it now. See, what changed the thing? The change was, was perspective. He saw who he was in relationship to God. He said, well, I can do that. I could do that. I could do that. See, the problem is we think we've got to try and copy someone else instead of saying, well, what has God given me that I could use, that I could use to make a difference in someone's life? Then do it. If it's business, well, use business. Man, I met someone the other day. I couldn't believe it. 
Oh, I was so excited. I just fell out of my seat. This the name was Gerald Bradley. How many know Gerald Bradley? No, not many know him. You see, you have to be around a while to know Gerald. Because yeah, Gerald's been out of the country for a little while. Gerald was a, uh, an evangelist for open-air campaigners. He was one of the best they had. He was an educator, had a background in teaching, communicator, got distinction in, the high, in his uh, teacher's college. But he did a lot of the graphic stuff, and he did a lot of, a lot of uh, training people in open-air evangelism. Now, get this. His wife got cancer and died, so there's a disaster. He can't continue with his ministry. So at that point, his whole ministry finished. Now, you'd think, oh, well, okay, bad luck. You know, what? No, but God had something more for him. Now, you've got to understand this. When one thing closes, nothing opens. It's brilliant. This is so good with God. You know, the, the, the valley you're going through is your stepping stone. You just get the, but you need God. So this guy, he sought the Lord. And he got through the process of grief, and God bought him another woman. He married this other woman, and she was a successful businesswoman, successful, had her own cosmetics company, had her own marketing company, and she committed herself to help his ministry go. Now, now, wait, now it gets better. It gets better. So he began to move out of the open-air evangelists, open-air campaigners, and he's moved into now doing motivational leadership training for companies. Now, he and his wife are world leaders in it. They've got so much demand now. He said, next year, there's 24 engagements I have over three to five days with people from Arab countries. They are just hungry for what I have, and I'm open about God. And they come away, and they come in all with their mindsets. And he said, I found out God's given me keys how to unlock the mindsets and change them so they can succeed. And he said... I got God running right through it. I got biblical principles running right through it. I've just taken the word of God and put it into a format which is highly uh, desirable by the secular world. They ain't never seen anything like it because they got God and I got excellence and I got visual things they've never seen the likes of before. Uh, he said, I went to an oil company. Now, this is a guy who's in charge of an oil company. He's the executive director of it. He said, okay, give you 20 minutes. Show me what you got. He showed him what he had in 20 minutes. He said, okay, you're on. I want to book you up now for all my top senior executives. And he's got them now coming in. And over a course of three to five days, they have a chance to witness to them. Wow. Isn't that amazing, eh? This is what God can do. Isn't that what God can do? Jesus, don't, see, but you see, God's got great ways of getting us out there. So I don't know anyone who's in the Arab world doing anything like that. He said, I even get to have the royal family from one of the Arab countries in my meetings. And I have a chance to talk with them about principles of success in life. And they're all biblical principles, and they are hungry. Hey, it's good, eh? Is this good or what? Come on, come on, come on. This is... So everywhere you find in the Bible, everywhere you find in the Bible, it's always unique to the person. But it's always about God's thing reaching people. So God encounters David. Guess what? David, you're going to be king. You're going to totally transform the nation. God encounters Solomon. I got a mission. Build me a house. God encounters Mary. I got a mission. Make your womb available. I want to save the world. Everyone's got a unique mission. God, when he encounters you, he says, there's some part of you I want available so I can work through you to reach the world. He never changed. He's a, he's a people reaching God. So when we encounter him, we get to know him. And when we get to know him, our life is sold out to this one we love. There's no one quite like him. There's nothing quite like him. And there's nothing like what he has to give. And you just want to give something to people. You want to share what he has with people. See, people, people can't understand it. How come you can keep pouring out? Oh, well, I'd just love to. I'm called to. I was born for this. 
Now, you've got to find what you were born for. Don't copy me. Get my spirit, get the same faith, get the same God connection, get connected stronger if you can. But here's it, you still have got a calling in your life. And you will never, ever, ever be satisfied unless you have responded to God's words to you. I want to send you to someone. I want to send you. I Maybe I'm going to send you into the business arena. If you're in the business arena, you've got a job out there. It's a mission field for goodness sake. If you're in the medical field, you've got a mission field there. If you're in the education field, you've got a mission there. If you're in the high school, you've got a mission there. You're not there just to get educated. You're there for something bigger than that. Bigger than that. Get bigger on the inside. And our encounters with God are to fire us with a desire. Oh, 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 oh I know where I'm going. I've got something in my life you need. I've got something you need. And you do have. You've got something the world needs. You do have. It'll go to hell without what you have. It's just whether you'll give what you have. And that's why you encounter God. It's to change. It's to get us out of selfishness. It's to get a, a mind reoriented. So we become an under oarsman, one at the bottom of the ship. Willing. No matter what we want. It don't, it's not a, I laugh. I go to Asia. They're all worried about titles. Dear God, what would you worry about a title for? Who cares about the title? What counts is how far down in the galley you're willing to pull on the oars. It's not how high up whether you've got the drummer and you do. Mind you, I don't mind that one, the drumming the drum up on the top. But, you know, down the bottom where there's a bit of a whip and you've got to pull against that. Oh, that's a bit hard, isn't it, eh? Anyway, come on, let's just move on. Why don't you have a look with me at Exodus? See, wherever you go in the Bible where men encountered God, always God had mission. Let me just show you how this applies to the church. I'm going to pick it up with one guy. Here it is, Exodus chapter 6 and verse 6 through to verse 8. Now notice this, you see the connections again. And it's always progressive. He said, say to the children of Israel, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you of their bondage, redeem you with a stretched out arm and a great judgment. So you see God's statement to them very clearly. I want to get you saved. The first thing I want to do is get rid of the devils out of your life. I want to get rid of the sickness out of your life. I want to get rid of the oppression out of your life. I want to get rid of the sin out of your life. I want to get you out from being oppressed. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, God automatically breaks the power of the devil over your life. You've now got a new life, a life that's joined to the living God. Oh, a life of destiny. Whoa, you just going to start to discover it all. It's a great journey. It unravels. This is the bit. God doesn't tell you the whole thing. People all love a plan. And a plan is a wonderful thing to have, except with God, he doesn't give you all the plan. He didn't give it to Abraham, did he? Just leave, go. I'll tell you what to do on the way. I'll give it to you bit by bit. Oh, we hate that, don't we? Oh, we hate that. He wants us to trust. So I found many times my greatest stresses really come out of not quite knowing what God wants to do. And having to trust him. It'd be much easier if we just dropped the plan out and I saw it all. It'd be easier there, wouldn't it? <laughs> it doesn't go that way. You've got to trust him. Now notice what he says. I will bring you to myself. That's encounter. God purposed that even after they were saved, they would still encounter him. Every day when they woke up, there was a, there was a, there was a cloud where God's presence dwelt. Every day, every night, there was a pillar of fire and God wanted to encounter them, but he had a purpose for the encounter. I want to make you something. I want to make you a people that are priests, a kingdom of priests. I want to make you people who love me, but know how to advance my interests. And then he said, now notice he connects it to mission. And he said, I'll bring you into the land. He said, I'm going to bring you to a land of promise. In other words, he said, I've got you saved. 
Now I want you to learn how to walk in the experience of a divine encounter regularly. And then I have a mission for you. I want you to extend my kingdom. I want you to go into a land full of giants and big cities and and corruption. And I want you to overcome it and conquer it. Now listen, it hasn't changed. This is what God says to the church. I want to save you. Once you've given your life to Christ, become joined to a body. You're a saved person. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Tongue speaking, filled with the Holy Ghost. Great. Wonderful. It doesn't stop there. He says, now I want to bring you to myself. I want you to learn how to come near personally and corporately and encounter me and encounter my presence and begin to experience me. But wait, there's more. This is all for a reason. It's all for a reason. I want you to go into the community and I want you to conquer it. I want you to extend my kingdom. Listen, where are you? Where do you work? Where are you? Okay, you bring my kingdom into that place. Where, where are you going to school? Okay, do something in that school. Where are you in the community? Okay, do something there. Now, you want to remember every time, once you, once you step out, once you've encountered God, then you're called to a mission. You're called to You're responsible to do it. It's your responsibility not to keep the experience God gave you. Because it's something someone needs. And you think, well, look, you know what, I'm, I can't do it. Listen, Tony, he'd be the last one in the church to want to be up front. I can't even imagine a few years ago him standing up there like he did today. But you know, he was willing. And God's taken what he's got. And I can tell you now, firsthand, I've talked to the people. He has touched many, many people. Not because of great prayers or great preaching but because there's something in his heart that just loves people and God took him to people that just love being loved by someone older like him. And they just, they cry when he hugs them. It's unbelievable, isn't it? See? It's amazing. See, now, well, if God's done it there, he can do it with you too. He can do it with you. There's someone he wants to send you to. There's someone who needs what you have. Someone needs what you've got. Don't, don't, don't keep, the devil will keep you looking at all your faults and all the lacks and everything. Say what you don't have. Listen, if you've got something, take what you've got and use that. Take what you've got and use that. And then grow it. Get a stronger encounter. Get more, get into a prayer life. Begin to build your life with God. See? That's how it all works. Now let's just have a look at one last section. Quickly look over into Exodus chapter 3. I want you to see with Moses how God worked on him. See, Moses. And Moses encounter. And everywhere you go. Now you're going to see this everywhere. Meet God, go to people. Meet God, go to people. Meet God, go to people. When people have rung you out, meet God. When you've met with God, go to people. It's really simple. Love God, love people. Really, really simple. Okay, so it says here, Moses in the backside of the desert. That's, that's not a good place to be. A backside's not a good place anywhere. And so he's in the backside of a desert. And it's not a nice place. If you've ever been in a desert, man, you, it's not a good place. Scorpions and snakes, and you're, you're in danger of losing your life at any time. And so he's, in, he's not even in the front side of the desert. He's out there. No one, no one knows he's there. In fact, he's in a place where you wouldn't even think God even knew he was there. And then in the middle of it, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and the bush was burning with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Now notice this. Notice the progression here. I will, uh, you, you see in here. So the first thing is, God ignites a burning bush to get his attention. Now God's thinking, man, this guy's so depressed. He's so, he's so out the back here, so, so much down. You know, he's down in himself. I need to get the guy's attention. So God does something. Now notice this. God uses something that he would be used to. The, the bushes get so dry, it's quite common for them to just catch fire and burn. 
This one caught fire and burnt and didn't stop burning. That's strange, didn't stop burning. Nothing to burn out by now. See, he got his attention. So God uses burning bushes to get our attention. It says in John chapter 5, 35, it says John was a bright, passionate light. So God's going to use someone to get your attention. Because he wants your attention. Because he's got a mission for you. Got an assignment for you. So he wants your attention. He can't send you if he hasn't got your attention. Want your undivided attention. So God will do something to get your attention. What are some of the ways? What are some of the burning bushes? Oh, well, people on fire for the Lord get your attention. Just get on fire and burning for God. You'll get everyone's attention. Now try and put the fire out. You just stoke it up even hotter. Go back to God. Get the fire hotter. Go out more. And they, oh, it really does something. There's nothing about a burning bush that seems to get attention, say, and just can't be put out. See, sometimes God will use a leader to get your attention. You want to listen if a leader comes and says, I need to talk to you about something. You want to listen. That's a burning bush. God's trying to get your ears. Don't say no or don't say God told me. You've got God right in front of you telling you something. Come on now, get serious on this thing. Now, the other thing he uses are conflicts. Maybe the very conflict you've got is a burning bush of fire trying to get your attention. Maybe you're in a pressure. And it's a burning bush. God's trying to get your attention. Maybe you're having a struggle somewhere. And it's a burning bush. God's saying, stop, stop, stop. I want your attention. I've got other things for you to do. You're wasting your life. You've gone off course. Quick, I want your attention. Problems in the marriage. Problems in finances. What, What is God using to get your attention? So notice then it says, Moses saw it. Now you can do two things when you see a burning bush. You can either stop and have a look. What's that? Or you can turn away and just ignore it. You choose. This is what he did. It says he stopped and he turned aside. You choose when God is trying to get your attention whether you respond or not. God's trying to get your attention today. You just make the decision whether you're going to respond. He's trying to get your attention. He's trying to get the church's attention. He is trying to get the church's attention in the West because the church in the West has fallen out of the purposes of God. He's trying to waken us up and get our attention. Hey, will too. You watch. He'll get our attention, all right? Sometimes it takes a lot to get our attention, you know, because we've got so many other things that got our attention, got our heart, and, and there we are. So God brings burning bushes into our life. The next thing you notice here is, is he made encounter always involves a choice. You notice he decided. He turned aside. You've always got to make a choice to turn aside. Turn aside means you stop what you're doing and you take time to be with God. Every day we should make the decision to turn aside to be with God. Every day when you rise, turn aside to be with God. Turn aside because God wants your attention, wants to show you some things, wants to talk to you, wants to tell you something. See, it always involves a choice. You notice here the Lord saw he turned aside and then he began to speak to him. If you want God to speak to you, you've got to turn aside. You've got to take time in the presence of God. You've got to take time away from other things. You have to make a choice to turn aside. In Asia, one of the hardest things they have is to turn aside. They all get so busy. Just to take time to be alone with God, let God talk with you, to meet with Him and encounter with Him. Say, don't be too busy. And then the Lord spoke to him. That's the way the Lord speaks to him very personally. Moses, 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 Moses. Does He call your name? Rod, 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 I've got something for you to do. See, God talks to us. Talks to us. I've got something for you to do. It's personal. It's personal. Your mission is personal. You put your name in it. I've got something for you to do. Ian, Ian. See, if you stop to listen, you'll hear God talk to you. First thing he says, how much he loves you. And once you start to catch his heart, then he'll start to tell you his heart for other people. And then he says, I want you to do something for me. 
That's how it always works. It's always like that. It must always lead to that. Anytime people have revival or moves of God that never goes to mission, you always lose the revival. See? So notice here that encounter. So notice, just, I'll quickly finish with it, just a couple of thoughts in here. He said, notice this. He said, <clears throat> he said don't come here. Put off your shoes off your feet. The place where you stand is holy ground. And he said, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, and he was afraid to look upon God. And in the end, God said, now I will send you. See, encounter with God will always lead to him sending us. I will send you. See, God says, I've seen what's going on. So God made himself known. He saw the holiness of God. He became aware of that. He became aware of his own condition. He became aware then. Guess what? He became not only aware how holy God was, he became aware how God loves people. He said, I've seen my people in trouble. I want to do something. I've come down to do something. But when God comes down to do something, that's called encounter. When you go out to do something, that's called mission. When God comes down to do something, it's to encounter so there'll be mission. He says, I've come down to do something about it. Moses, we're having to talk about it. Guess what? You're going to do it. I'm sending you. So, so you see, everywhere you look, it's always like that. God encounters us because he wants us to come near, experience him, feel his presence, his awesome majesty, and then feel his heart. Isaiah heard his heart. He said, here am I, send me. I want to go, Lord. I want to make a difference with my life. For most of us, going doesn't mean going to another nation. It just means going into the community with a passion to make Christ known and to bring people to him. It's as simple as that. I'll share with you some other sessions, just simple things you can do. But always encounters it to people coming to Christ. Acts chapter 2, great encounter with God. Guess what? Two, three thousand get saved. So what do they do? They prayed, they prayed and prayed, had another great encounter, and then multitudes were added to the church. And then they prayed and prayed and prayed. Great grace was upon them all. And multitudes added in. See, encounter and mission always go hand in hand. You've got an assignment for someone. Do you know who God sent you to? Have you met with the Lord? Have you received and welcomed your assignment? Don't make excuses. Moses made a lot of excuses. You know what God said? I am not interested in your reasons why you can't do it. I've already designed you to do it. I just want you to say yes, and I'll do the rest. God is not interested in our excuses why we can't. He just wants us to say yes.